Today's question is one faced by a lot of pastors. I know this because I see it frequently pop up in the inbox. As people find Christ and are converted and are called to live differently than their pre-conversion passions, this raises endless questions about living arrangements. The question originates as a follow-up from a listener named Cameron. Hi, Pastor John. In episode 920, Divorce, Remarriage, and Honoring God, you argued that people should stay in a second marriage even though it was entered wrongly. You said, quote, A prohibited relationship can become a consecrated and holy one. End quote. My question is along this line. Does this principle also hold to people in same-sex marriage relationships or in polygamous marriages? After conversion, would you advise them to stay in similar relationships and somehow consecrate them? What makes those two scenarios different in your mind than divorce? No, I would not recommend that two men or two women living together, practicing homosexuality, remain in that relationship. The reasons are several. The situations are different between a man and a woman entering a marriage they should not enter, and a man and a man entering a relationship they should not enter. Let me try to explain some of those differences, which would result in my decision not to recommend that they stay there. Number one, um, the reason I, I took the position that a man and a woman in a marriage which they should not have entered should stay in that marriage and seek to consecrate it to the Lord is because the Bible, while not condoning the entrance into the marriage, nevertheless calls it a marriage. Here's what it says in Luke sixteen eighteen: Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. So don't do it, in other words. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. But he does use the word marry, not just sleep with. He calls it a marriage. And, and Jesus says to the woman who had been married five times in John four seventeen to 18, you are right, he says to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. So Jesus differentiates the the five from the one, even though she's living with the one. And he says, no, he's not, he's not your husband. The others were, and he's not. So I conclude that while it was an adulterous act to marry under the conditions that Jesus disapproves of in Luke 16, nevertheless, it's called a marriage. And a marriage is a matter of covenant faithfulness between a man and a woman, and therefore I would encourage that couple to repent of what they did wrong and to ask for forgiveness and to consecrate their union, which, though it should not have happened, may nevertheless be holy before the Lord. But two men or two women entering a relationship of sexual union with promises 
is not a marriage. It's not a marriage. You can't consecrate a marriage that should not have taken place if it is not a marriage at all. And the union of two men and two women is not, quote, gay marriage. It's no marriage. I don't like the idea that so many people are willing to use the term gay marriage Mm -hmm. instead of calling it so-called gay marriage, because there is no such thing in the universe as so-called gay marriage. Marriage, which is defined by God in this world, according to his word, is not a man in union with a man. That's our imagination. His definition goes like this. He quotes Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his woman, his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's where Jesus went in Matthew 19, Mark 10, and it's where Paul went in Ephesians 5 when they were seeking to give the most essential definition of marriage. So that's the main reason one relationship can be consecrated as a holy marriage and the other one can't because one is a marriage and the other is not a marriage, no matter how many thousands of times legislators and laws and judges and news commentators say that it is. It isn't. So that's the first difference. Here's the second reason I would recommend that a man and a man or a woman and a woman in such a relationship not try to consecrate it but move out of it. The second reason why I treat a man and a and a, a woman entering the marriage they shouldn't differently than a man and a man entering a relationship they shouldn't is that you can't make honorable what God has said by nature is dishonorable. In other words, homosexual behavior is not wrong just because it's commanded that we don't do it. It's wrong because by nature it is dishonorable and shameful. In other words, sexual relations between a man and a woman are not by nature dishonorable and shameful, but sexual relations between two men or two women are by nature dishonorable and shameful, according to Romans one twenty six, that goes like this. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless, so he's called them shameless and dishonorable, shameless or shameful acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. No amount of repenting, no amount of faith, no amount of consecration can turn that which is by nature dishonorable and shameful into an act that is holy or pure or honorable. That's why I would encourage two men or two women involved in such acts to renounce the sin, repent, ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, and no longer make any provision for the flesh, as Paul says in Romans thirteen fourteen. We did an APJ on polygamy 
mm-hmm. uh, about three months ago. I think it's episode 1304. And maybe I can just refer Cameron back to that one for some thoughts on that issue. It's, it's not exactly the same issue when he raises it alongside homosexuality. It's not, it's not the same issue because it doesn't involve sexual acts, which by nature are dishonorable and shameful, but it is not in accord with God's original will for marriage according to Genesis 2.24, and so it can't be consecrated in the same way that the marriage of one man and one woman can be. Mm-hmm. So the aim would would be to help those who realize this to find the most just and gracious way to bring a polygamous relationship to an end. That won't be easy and great wisdom will be will be needed, especially especially in missionary context. Thank you, Pastor John. Well, we continue to get a lot of pastoral questions here about living arrangements for those who are recently converted. Please keep sending those questions into us. You can do so through our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John. Well, speaking of missionary context, uh, next time we're going to close the week with a question about missions. Specifically, can an elect person die without ever having heard the gospel? Or is that impossible? It's a good question with many practical implications flowing out of it. We'll see you back here on Friday. Thanks for listening.